But beloved, it's time to give our attention to the Lord by uh, turning to his word. And so if you get your Bibles out uh, and uh, pray with me this morning, let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, and we pray that you would speak to us through it now. Pray, O oh Lord, that you would enlighten our minds and our hearts and give us a, a clear grasp of your love for us in Christ. Pray that you would awaken in us fresh love for you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The American poet and journalist Walt Whitman uh, once wrote, If anything is sacred, the body is sacred. Think about that for a moment. He said, If there's anything in the world that's that's holy, anything in the world that's um, divine that that points toward the reality of God's presence in our lives, it is the human body. Do you believe that? And more specifically, do do you believe your body is sacred? And when I ask you if you believe that, I don't mean it in in the just general sense of, do you go, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, I I agree, uh, intellectually. I mean, in your bones. In in the fabric of your life, do you believe that your body is sacred? How would you know if you really believed it at that deep down level? The simplest answer is um, we would know if we believe that the body is sacred uh, whether or not we take care of it. Self-care is a practical application of the theology of the body. Think about all that we've been saying about the body, that it's good, it's necessary, it's a gift from God, that it's a sign that points to Christ in various ways, whether we are married bodies or whether we are celibate bodies or whether we have disabilities in our bodies. All all of these various statuses are, are still through the body, pointing to the reality of a God uh, and his gospel and his kingdom. Now, if we believe all of what we've been saying about the body, and we believe it deep down, then practically we should be good stewards of the body. And that's what we want to turn our attention to this morning, is the whole idea of self-care. I want to ask two questions and, and chase down answers for them. Number one, if you're taking notes, is what is self-care? What is self-care? And number two, what guidance does the Bible give us in self-care. What guidance does the Bible give us in self-care? Number one, what is self-care? The other day, my daughter uh, drove my car to meet with some of her friends. She didn't like driving my car ordinarily because she feels like it's, it's too big. And uh, I didn't know this, but there were certain things in the car that made her uncomfortable. There's a heads-up display that gives you how fast you're going and all that good stuff. But at the angle that it was on, she had to kind of scrunch and, and, and distort herself to be able to read the heads-up display and also try to keep her eye on the road. And whenever she would bring the car home, she'd have this little bit of a fret about whether or not she put things back where I wanted them. The seat was in the right place, the mirror adjusted correctly, all that good stuff. Well, driving my car then was kind of an uncomfortable experience until my wife told her uh, how to adjust the heads-up display so that she could change the angle and read it while sitting comfortably. And showed her that there's actually a memory set 
uh, for where the seat should be and all that good stuff. And she just pressed one button, it would put it back, everything back to the settings that I had. But knowing how the car worked changed her enjoyment, her experience of, of driving it, of, of using it. Uh, and self-care is a lot like that. Living in the body is like driving a car with knowledge of how the car works. In the Word of God, we're given the owner's manual for the body. And through that manual, we come to know how the body should operate. And that manual gives us hints and cues to this issue of self-care. Now, today we talk a lot about self-care. And frankly, I'm glad because Americans are notorious for neglecting their bodies. Uh, one study uh, by the Harris poll found that 44% of Americans believe that self-care is an option only for people with time. 35% of Americans believe that self-care is only possible if you have enough money. These are false ideas about what it means to take care of ourselves. And there are really a lot of mistaking ideas out there that we need to reject if we're going to have a, a good approach to caring for our bodies. So, for example, uh, we need to reject the idea that uh, self-care uh, is something that you're forced to do. It's not something you're forced to do. Um, that's not self-care. That's, that's tyranny. Uh, it's something that we get to do. Self-care is, is also not something that we hate or don't enjoy. Right? So it's not meant to be drudgery. It's actually meant to be in, enjoyed and life-giving. Self-care is not selfish. It's not a selfish act. Uh, in fact, oftentimes it's self-care that uh, enables us to give ourselves away to other people in a healthy way. And self-care is not the same thing as self-improvement. Self-improvement grows up out of the idea of a kind of perfectionism. But self-care is really about enjoying ourselves, enjoying our bodies as we currently are. Not about trying to become something else or somebody else. So let me give you a definition of self-care here. Self-care is any activity that we do deliberately in order to take care of our mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual health. But that word deliberately is important. We don't drift into self-care. We don't happen to fall into self-care. This is a discipline. This is a habit. These are choices and plans that we make to take care of uh, each aspect of our, our human selves. So self-care then is an activity that refuels us. It replenishes and renews us. It refreshes us and keeps us in proper working order. We need to do, again, these um, life-renewing, refreshing activities in every area of our lives. And in that way, the caring for ourselves becomes like a, a regular oil change and tune-up with a car. You ever notice... The car seems to just drive better when you get an oil change and a tune-up. Why is that? Well, it's because it is operating better. It's operating the way it was meant to. And so is it with us. When we take care of our bodies and keep it in proper working order, we operate the way we're meant to. And that's just a better experience. That's just a better um, enjoyment of life. So that's self-care. This brings us to our second question where we'll spend the bulk of our time then what guidance does the Bible give us for taking care of our bodies? Well, I would suggest to you then 
um, what, what we might call the four R's of a sort of basic, this is very basic, biblical approach to self-care, the four R's, here we go, rhythm, rest, recreation, and revival. Rhythm, rest, recreation, and revival. First thing we see is that the Bible gives us a kind of framework for understanding the patterns of life, the, the rhythms of life. And we see that very early in the Bible. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, there we read in God's word, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. So you'll know that in Genesis chapter 1, we get the six days of creation. Uh, and each of those days are defined as uh, a period of night and day, which God has separated. He's given this pattern to every 24-hour period. There is night, uh, and then there is day. This is so regular that we can overlook it, but it's of profound importance. God has put into the solar system a cadence, a rhythm for every day, which is meant to then sort of shape what we do with our bodies. Day is meant for work. Night is meant for rest. But think about how Jesus uses day and night as a metaphor in John chapter 9, verse 4. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no man can work. Now, again, he's using day and night metaphorically there to sort of talk about how urgent it is that we do the spiritual work of God while we can. But that metaphor only works because of the assumption that we all share, that, that work is a daytime activity. And night brings a, a, a time of the day where we cease from work, where we can't work. So there's this rhythm built into each day that we are meant to observe. We are meant to do our activity, our work in the day. We're meant to rest at night. Now, I know there are people who work second shift or swing shift. They work at night and sleep at day. That's fine. It's, it's just a basic principle. But half the day is set aside for activity, and half the day is set aside for inactivity, for rest. We need that rhythm every day. Bleeding from daytime activity over into nighttime activity is contrary to how we were designed. It's contrary to how God designed the day, and that's why it exhausts us. That's why it weakens us physically. That's why it hurts the body for to, to sort of overwork for prolonged periods of time. But there's another part of the rhythm that God has established uh, in the creation right from the beginning. Look with me now Genesis chapter 2. Verses 1 to 3, uh, there God's word says, The heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This, of course, is the Sabbath. So in our our, our rhythms, that's not only a daily rhythm, day and night, work and rest, but there's also a weekly rhythm. So we give ourselves to um, a six-day work week, and then we have a seventh day, a Sabbath, that is entirely devoted to rest. 
And it's so important in, in God's mind that it becomes a part of the Ten Commandments. He commands, commands Israel to observe the Sabbath uh, perpetually. It's part of the pattern for God's creation. If God's creation is going to operate in a healthy way, if we're going to live embodied lives according to the rhythm that God establishes, we all need a Sabbath, a weekly Sabbath. Now, the point of the Sabbath, like the rest of the law, is not that we try to keep the law in order to be righteous with God. So the point here is not to become Sabbatarians. It's not to become Seventh-day Adventists. It's certainly not to become Hebrew Israelites. The Sabbath and all of the law prophesy about another righteousness apart from the law. In other words, the, the law is telling us about a righteousness that we actually can't fulfill by obeying the law. It's a righteousness from outside of ourselves. It is the righteousness of God, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. It is the righteousness of God that is revealed by faith, that is from faith from beginning to end. So the law is pointing to Jesus. And the Sabbath is prophesying about a rest that we get, not just on the seventh day in obedience to the law, but an unending rest that we get through faith in Jesus Christ. That's the whole point of Hebrews 3 and Hebrews chapter 4. So here in the Sabbath, and in the Sabbath rest, in this rhythm, is actually a reminder of a Savior and of an ultimate rest, which we are meant to enter into through faith in Jesus. However, when it comes to understanding our bodies, these rhythms teach us that the body is not meant to be always on. It's not. It's meant to be regularly turned off in terms of uh, rest and not working and so on. The body needs a, a regular pace, which is written really into each day, 24 hours, day and night, and written into the week, six days of work, and then a Sabbath. God has built that rhythm into time in order for us to care for our bodies. So, a couple of questions. How are you doing at dividing day and night, at keeping the rhythm of day and night every 24-hour period? Are, are you maintaining a regular controlled rhythm to your days? Or are your days bleeding into nights and your nights bleeding into days? And, and this question takes on added significance in a pandemic, doesn't it? Uh, when, when it just feels like days are just bleeding together. And, and you notice what happens if, if that happens to us? We just feel this blob. Just feel this, this, this um, like we're in a quagmire, quicksand. It's because we need to reestablish the rhythms. How are you doing that? And, and do you have a regular day each week set aside for Sabbath? Now, in, in the Christian context, uh, the Sabbath is the Lord's Day. It's Sunday. That whole day is meant to be dedicated to resting in the Lord, right? Um, do you treat Sunday that way? If that's not possible for you on Sunday, do you have another day where you Sabbath, a uh, 24-hour period where you really unplug and um, enjoy the rhythm that God has, has meant for us to enjoy? First R is rhythm. Second R is rest. We've got to get enough Rest. Now, this is implied in what I've already been saying about rhythm, but I want to unpack it just a little bit. Most researchers tell us that uh, as, as human beings, we need at least seven hours of sleep um, a night. Every 24 hours, we 
need at least seven hours of sleep. Now, it's interesting. Whether or not you get that seven hours of sleep um, varies by region of the country. Um, the part of the country with the highest percentage of people who do not get at least seven hours sleep is actually our part of the country, the kind of east coast, the southeast, and the mid-Atlantic region. According to the CDC, uh, about 32 to 35% of people in Washington, D.C. are operating on less than seven hours sleep. So you can look around your house right now or think about people in the church. One out of every three is a little bit sleep deprived, is, is operating on less than the optimal amount uh, of sleep. But what's the problem with not getting enough sleep? Well, there are many. Uh, not getting enough sleep is associated with obesity. It's associated with physical inactivity, with smoking. Uh, folks who don't get uh, enough sleep uh, have a sort of higher, higher percentages of heart attack, heart disease, stroke, kidney disease, diabetes, arthritis, COPD, and depression. See, the body functions better. The mind functions better. The soul functions better when we get adequate sleep. Our, our minds and emotions um, are improved, they are strengthened when we give the body rest. Now sleep in some sense is a kind of mystery. We don't know why we sleep, we, we know we need it, um, but, but the why of it, at least from a scientific perspective, is a little bit of a mystery. But the why of it is explained in the Bible, um, we, we, God designed us that way. He designed the body to need Rest and rest should be done as an act of faith. I'm sure to tell you in, in a couple of Bible verses here, uh, because the Bible is teaching us not only that we need sleep, but it's teaching us that sleep is actually a gift from God. Psalm 127 verse two says, "It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for He gives to His beloved sleep." See the contrast here. The first part of that verse is talking about our tendency to overwork. Rise up early, go to bed late. We're burning the candle on both ends, if you've ever heard that cliche. And, and the Bible says that's vain. In other words, that's that's futile, that's empty, that's not fruitful. It doesn't, it doesn't produce, it's ineffective. Indeed, the verse goes on to describe that as eating the bread of anxious toil. It's a kind of worry work. It's a kind of fretting and anxiety. It's, it's a lack of trust, really, uh, in God to, to live that way. And then see the contrast in verse 2. Uh, God gives to his beloved sleep. So in contrast to all that worry work and all of that burning the, the midnight oil and rising early, you know, God is saying, you know, actually go to sleep. That's my gift to you. Lie down, rest, receive my goodness in this way. Like all of God's gifts, um, sleep here is meant to be received and enjoyed. So self-care is about uh, adequate night's sleep, uh, a good rest, uh, a good nap, a good Sabbath. Those are not wasting. That's not wasting time. That's actually making our time more fruitful. It's resting in trust in the Lord. And the Bible tells us that, that sleeping is wisdom. 
I, I love this because I, I like the nap. I, I, I like me some sleep. Um, Proverbs chapter 3, for example, verse 21 talks about, uh, it, it instructs us to keep sound wisdom and discretion. What does that look like, keeping sound wisdom and discretion? Well, the rest of that section describes it, but notice verse 24, part of the description. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. We know that we're keeping wisdom and discretion when we go to sleep, and our sleep is sweet and not, and not fearful. Sweet sleep is the reward of wisdom. So, it, so it's neither healthy nor wise for us to be avoiding sleep. To care for the body, we need to get at least seven hours uh, per night, every night. That's what we were, that's how we were designed. So again, some questions. How are your sleeping habits? Are you getting a good seven to eight hours every night? Number two, are you getting sleep when you're supposed to? Or are you eating the bread of anxious toil? Are you putting off sleep because you're worried about something related to work or you're worried about something else? Uh, are you robbing yourself of the rest that you need because of worry? And are you understanding that that worry is actually not faith? It's the opposite of faith. So that sleep for you might actually be uh, an act of faith uh, that God is calling you to. Do you need to repent of starving your body of rest? And, and let me say a word to um, black women listening to this. Because I think one of the things that black women live under is the pressure of the myth of the strong black woman. Uh, and there are a lot of black women killing themselves in overwork and hypertension and stress and other things. And not just black women, but I think, I think it's pronounced... Uh, in our culture, because we've adopted this notion of um, strong black woman, a woman who can do everything for everybody, uh, who always puts herself last, uh, so she's almost always uh, not exercising, practicing self-care. Um, some of you as sisters need to get rid of that mythology. Uh, it's, it's actually crushing your body. It's actually causing you to be a bad steward of your body. Uh, in the name of being strong. Well, in many ways, you weren't meant to be that strong. You were meant to trust God. Um, and again, self-care needs to be an act of faith for us. Well, that's the second R. So we got rhythms, we got rest. Number three is get some recreation. Get some recreation. That's the third R of a basic biblical approach to self-care. Now, by recreation... I don't mean just sort of sporting activities or things of that sort, that, that, that's included, but that it's not the activity uh, in and of itself that I'm thinking about here. I'm thinking about recreation in the old sense of the word. It literally means recreation. To do those things that recreate us, that renew us in our being, that, that recreate us in the likeness of God, that, that recreate us um, in, in sort of purpose and identity. That's what we want to do, is we want to we put those things into our regular rhythms and routines. So, recreation is not just about activity. It's not about just going out playing softball on a softball team, or 
um, going on a, a long walk or uh, going to the gym, all of those things are great. It, it is, in order for recreation to be self-care, there needs to be a sense of enjoyment that comes from uh, being put back in our right minds and in our right operation of our bodies. It's what the psalmist prays for when he prays in Psalm 51, verse 10. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's, that's a kind of recreation here. Renew a right spirit within me. And this kind of renewal is a central part of our sanctification if we are Christians. That's why Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 to 24, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and, notice this, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. What Paul is describing there in spiritual terms, in terms of sanctification, is recreation, is the recreation of ourselves in the image and the likeness of God. As we take off the old man with his desires and we put on the new man, which is created uh, in true righteousness and holiness. So that's what we want from our recreations, not, not simply uh, physical activity, though that's a part of it. Um, we, we want mental activity, physical activity, spiritual activity that renews us, recenters us, um, and, and revives us in that way. And so the question becomes, well, what should we do then? Well, there are tons of things we can do. Uh, and in fact, I think the Bible encourages us to do tons of different things. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 says, God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So this means that when it comes to recreation or recreation, we should happily do um, any and all the things that give us joy. You know, as long as it's not sinful, the whole world is our oyster, right? So for some of us, that, that could be sitting in a dark room listening to jazz. It's nothing that quite sort of revives and awakens us, refreshes us, like hearing Miles Davis on a muted trumpet or hearing uh, John Coltrane on a, on a nice saxophone uh, riff. So music of various sorts can be um, recreative in that sense. For some of us, that's cooking. We enjoy cooking and mixing things up, and, and we made alive in that creative process. Other kinds of creative things, pottery, writing, um, yeah, music, as I said before. Or, or it would include things like bodily exercise. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, bodily training is of some value. I, I like that verse. The translation I have in my head says bodily exercise is of little value. But that might be ice and Jesus. Uh, but getting out and moving around, exercising, that's of value. That's of some value. It, it recreates, it reinvigorates the body, it reinvigorates the soul, and we are put back in kind of the right frame of mind, a renewed frame of mind, a renewed sort of uh, function of the body. And so we are, we're brought again back into the mold uh, in which God has made us. Others may take long walks with friends. Others will read a, a good book. Some will go to movies. Uh, so all these things, this whole world is made for our enjoyment. 
So this whole world is meant to be a playground in which we recreate ourselves, uh, in which we deliberately, intentionally take care of ourselves, in part by enjoying what God has made. Uh, And so we need recreation. We need a routine that's about intentionally enjoying God's good gifts so that we renew our sense of uh, emotional, physical, uh, psychological, spiritual healthiness. Let me put it another way. If you don't practice self-care, there's a pretty good chance you aren't intentionally enjoying life. It's a pretty good chance that your sense of joy is kind of up and down and maybe far between and maybe just kind of happenstantial. You happen to have a good time over here or you happen to have a good time over there. You you kind of bumped into uh, a surprising joy. Well, that's actually not how we're called to live. We're actually called to plot and scheme for joy to make joy an active habit and discipline by enjoying um, God's creation and enjoying the God who created it. So if you look at your life and you think, ah, my life's a little blah, it's a little bland, um, I'm kind of bored, that's your fault. That's on you. God is a God of joy. He's called you into his kingdom, which is about righteousness and joy. And he's giving you a whole planet um, that he's called you to enjoy, we need to be deliberate deliberate in that. Choosing to enjoy the good gifts of God for our recreation, for our self-care. So here are a few questions. Are you passive or intentional about enjoying life? I want to encourage you to relinquish passivity and plan to enjoy your life. It's the only life you get. Number two, do you have a no list? Do you have a no list? This will be a list of things that you need to say no to, either because you don't enjoy them. Remember, self-care is not stuff that you have to do, that you're forced to do. It's, these are things that you enjoy, that you want to do, right? So you have a list of things that are on your no list because you don't enjoy them. I'm not trying that again, not going there again, don't like that. Or are they on your no list because they help you keep those rhythms we talked about? Uh, of, of keeping sort of work in its place and rest in its place, of keeping Sabbath, right? Keeping you from being overstretched. Let me encourage you, if you don't already have a no list, either in your mind or on paper, go ahead and make one. It, it, will, it will simplify and clarify life in that way. Number three, do you have any activities you intentionally enjoy that renew your sense of being? What are those activities that really just kind of give you life that awaken you? And are you scheduling them? Schedule those activities. Make sure you put those in as priorities in, in part of your sort of weekly and daily plan of self-care. And then number four, how would you rate the overall combination of rest, diet, and exercise in your life? Are you getting the right balance of rest, Diet, eating the right things, and exercising in life. Well, that brings us to our fourth and final thing, and that's revival. That's revival. What do I mean there? Well, the fourth R is about us keeping our souls diligently. We're thinking specifically about paying attention to our spiritual selves here. 
Now, this is important in a theology of the body because the body and the spirit, the body and the soul, they actually go together and they affect one another. So if we're not taking good care of our body, guess what? That will often show up uh, in, in negative effects on our spirits. And if we're not feeding our spiritual selves, guess what? That'll often show up in negative effect on our bodies. And the opposite is true. We take care of our bodies uh, often that will that will have positive spiritual effect. And if we feed ourselves and care for ourselves spiritually, that'll often have positive effects on our bodies. So we want to take care of our souls, even when we're talking about a theology of the body. Well, how do we take good care of our souls? Well, um, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verses 1 to 9, gives us a, a pretty clear um, pointer on this. Look there with me. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you, and do them, that you may live. And go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. You should not add to the word that I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God destroyed from among you all the men who followed the Baal of Peor. But you who held fast the Lord, your God, are all alive today. See, I have taught you statutes and rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land that you're entering to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples, who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. But what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. You see the, the repeated idea in that passage? They are commanded to know and obey God's word. It's through the word that we feed and keep the soul. Notice the result in verse 1. when It says there, listen to the statutes and the rules that I am teaching you and do them. Why? That you may live. Life comes from the word. Uh, and then look again down in verse 6, when he talks about keeping the commandments and the statutes and doing them in the land, uh, it says, keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Wisdom comes from the word. Understanding comes from the word. And wisdom and understanding from the word gives light to the soul. It revives us. It strengthens us. It directs us. It is, it is our life. You remember what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, where he, he quotes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, same book of the Bible we're just reading from. And he says this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. This is how we live, not by physical bread, which we do need, but we really live by the bread of life, by by that word which teaches us about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. By that word that we feed upon and gain wisdom and enlightenment and spiritual vigor. And a well-cared-for soul will be a well-embodied soul. 
We want to feed ourselves, not just with physical activity. We want to feed ourselves um, with that spiritual ingredient that gives life. This is how Zach Eswine um, writes about this in his book, Sensing Jesus. He says, our problem goes beyond our need to say no to activities and the need, however pleasant and helpful, to find more time for tea in our day. But we can learn to say no and can positively lighten our schedules without addressing our desire to be like God and to be everywhere for all. In other words, we can remain self-centered, blurry-eyed, and God numb with boundaries and a cup of tea in our hands just as much as we can without them. We are meant to replace what we've emptied, not with just anything, but with the provision and the grace of Jesus. So, in other words, you can be a person who's got self-care on lock in terms of, um, you know, a balanced rhythm to your schedule, in terms of doing activities that you enjoy, uh, in terms of a little pampering and uh, exercise and diet and things of that sort, you can have that on lock and still be empty if you're not feeding upon Christ in his word. We're meant to be ultimately and most fundamentally replenished by these spiritual graces that we get from God through his son. So let me ask you just two questions here. Are you reading and enjoying your Bible every day? For at least 20 minutes. Are you reading the word and praying about what you're reading, thinking about what you're reading, drinking it in, enjoying it? And are you stopping to pray and to meditate on God's word for at least 20 minutes a day? In addition to your reading, are you praying? Are you talking to God? Are you listening for his voice? Are, are you doing that not as anxiety kind of, you know, wringing our hands saying, God, I need, I need, I need. But are you more fundamentally doing that praying uh, as, a, as a way to enjoy God himself? To rest in his presence. To defy the tyranny of a busy world. To sit at your Lord's feet, which is the, is the good portion. This is, how we, this is how we feed the soul. This is how we revive ourselves, is by feeding on his word, by praying to God, and all the other means of grace that God has given us. Well, we should land this plane then. What I'm suggesting is that a biblical approach to self-care is a combination of both creation care and sanctification. It's creation care because God, at the creation, gave us these bodies to steward and to use to fill the earth with his glory. He, he, we are a part of the creation, and he has organized the creation in such a way that if we obey him, we will find ourselves caring for ourselves. But it's also sanctification, because when we do self-care with a spiritual mind, it helps us conform to the image and likeness of God. It helps us to find rest not just in stopping activity, it helps us to find rest in, in, in Christ himself, in God himself, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. That's the highest sort of level of self-care. It's communion with God. Now, if you're listening this morning and you're not yet a Christian, this is the most important way for you to care for yourself. But right now, you, you are separated from God, uh, and right now you're in danger of God's judgment. And, and you might have 
fears and concerns and worries about other people and other things. But Jesus says in, in the Gospels, don't fear man who can only kill the body and after that can do nothing. He says, fear God who can destroy uh, both body and soul in hell. And hell is what we deserve because of our sin. It's what you deserve because of your sin. God is merciful. God is good. God is gracious. And you were made to know him. You were made not to be destroyed, but to be cared for. And God proved his love for you. He demonstrated his care for you. And that even though you were a sinner, even though we were sinners, while we were sinners, God sent his son Jesus to die for us. So dying on that cross was God's son, proving the Father's love, demonstrating the Father's care. And the first best act of self-care for you is to see Jesus resurrected as your Lord and Savior, as the one who takes away your sins, as the one who reconciles you to God, as the one who has loved you and cared for you so much as to give himself up for you. Love him in return. Trust him to save you from judgment. Believe his promises of eternal life and of righteousness with God, of an everlasting kingdom, and follow him in faith. You'll begin a life of self-care and an eternal life filled with the joy, the pleasures, and love of God. Repent of your sins. Trust in Jesus. You can take the best care of yourself. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Savior. And we thank you for these bodies which you created. And we thank you for the instruction of your word. Help us, O oh Lord, to uh, be disciplined and intentional about the rhythms of our day and our weeks. Help us, O oh Lord, to find rest in you, but physical rest from our labor, adequate amounts of rest so that we're well. And give us uh, wisdom and guide us in choosing recreations, things that renew our souls, O oh Lord, so that we are um, conformed to the image of Christ and, and, and we are renewed to the purposes and functions that you designed the body for. And Lord, we pray, revive us again. Revive our souls. Uh, make us, Lord, joyful in you. Most of all, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you.